Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome, and today we're going to talk to Maria Karam of the Redwood Theater in Toronto and find out more about it. So let's start with your academic background first, Maria. Where did you go to school? Um, I, I guess undergrad at University of Toronto uh, and the master's. And then I went to the University of Southampton in the United Kingdom for several years. And then uh, following that, I was at uh, Ryerson and then I moved back to London to King's College London. And now I'm back in Toronto running my own uh, innovation lab. That is quite a background. <laughs> When is the book coming out? Oh, boy. <laughs> Hope before I retire. So having said that, let's talk about your work background with all those experiences. Right. Well, as uh, mostly an academic who has been researching, um, let's call it sensory substitution uh, in the discipline of human-computer interaction, which is, well, it's always been surrounding music, and then most, I guess, recently, although over 10 years ago, it's not that recently, it was the notion of translating music into physical vibrations, which we did through uh, Ryerson University and the Emoti Chair Project. And then since then, I've been researching, you know, running around doing that research thing that nobody cares about. You know, you spend your life writing papers and, you know, fine-tuning all the data and the details. And then eventually you end up running a theater because it's... <laughs> Just, uh, it seems to be the place to be after, you know, spending all this time in music. You're going to have to maybe, you know, start sharing some of those ideas with the public. Okay, so let's talk about the Redwood Theater. All right. You you bought it or you leased a building? Uh, yes, well, we, uh, let's say my partner uh, and I, uh, run the theater now he owns it i run it i took over operating it in 2017 when the last tenant abandoned it and uh, i jumped in i came back from london england because the um there was a developer who wanted to buy the building and i and you know if i didn't come and save it it would have just been a you know another rexall and a condo so that was uh, how i got involved on the operations side in the theater and serendipitously enough, um, you know, I, I make tactile chairs for uh, making hearing experiences more, you know, accessible. And uh, hopefully, uh, now that the theater is starting to get some traction, we will be able to, you know, make our claim and actually be the only theater in the world that does have sound accessible chairs for people with, you know, any hearing impairments. <clears throat> you put on a lot of shows. Can you tell us about some of them? Yeah, certainly. Well, we have a wide variety of shows. Interestingly enough, we are now uh, also doing shows as the Orbit Room East. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Orbit Room, but it was a long-running, historic, legendary music venue in the West End. Uh, interestingly enough, they lost their venue because of increases in rent and landlord issues where, you know, the landlords kind of have you when you're, you know, running a musical venue. 
So they came here, and now we're doing these incredible concerts with the Orbit Room. But uh, that's not needless to say. We also do comedy. We have, uh, you know, circus. We have some vaudeville, theater, dance, you name it. We're doing it uh, over here at the Redwood Cinema. We just recently got a really nice projector and screen so we can show films now. So you're very diversified now. You're, you're expanding. Yeah, it's sort of what you have to do in this in this world now. When you're a small theater and you know you're you don't have a massive audience because you're you know a little bit East Toronto or you're new, then you know the best thing to do is give something for everybody, um, especially for the people in the neighborhood because there are thousands of people who can walk here within five minutes. So that's really you know what we're trying to do in terms of providing you know a space for people to access and to get some, you know, really good world-class entertainment, like, delivered to their neighborhood. And how many people can fit into the theater? Well, um, currently, we're looking at about 200. Our capacity is a bit higher, but what we're finding is that with our uh, increased, our, our population is slightly increasing in age, and nowadays, uh, including myself, you know, I want to sit down at a show. I don't want to have to stand up for three hours, you know. So we have to put chairs down so everybody can be comfortable. But it's big enough that there's a fantastic dance floor as well. So, again, a little bit more of, uh, a little bit more of everything happening over here. So have you thought of taking any of the shows on the road at all? No, unless I'm rescuing another building because this this big tree sort of keeps me rooted here. It's very hard to leave this big building and, you know, someone has to run it for now at least. So where do you get your team of actors? Well, we're really an outlet. So we have a, a large network of people in Toronto who are in the arts and through mostly word of mouth, we, you know, get uh, some great performers who are looking usually to do something smaller because it is only 200 seat theater, but some people who are also looking to do something innovative with their work. You know, it's not always the same kind of pressure as playing, you know, a Mervish theater or a Crow's theater. We're, you know, a little bit more on the side of fringe but not exactly in, in other words you know so we've got some pretty professional acts coming in to try out new things and to you know innovate a little bit and as well to have reunions with their you know bands that have like uh, the band that's coming in on saturday have been around for 25 years retrocity they have a huge following so we're starting to you know give these you know bands and these venues that you know, lost their spaces either before or during COVID, an opportunity to get the communities together again and to perform mainly, you know, because that's what those artists really, really need to do is, is express themselves through their music Mark, and their art form. You, you called yourself a lab. You better explain that one. Oh, I, well, I guess it's historically I've been uh, working in research science labs. So um, while this is a music theater and an entertainment space, it's also to some extent a lab because of the innovation and because of the ability to do really cool, novel things on a whim, it feels like a lab. You know, it may not be, you know, we're not, well, we have a lot of computers, but it may not be like a computer lab or electronics, robotics lab, et cetera, but it is a lab where people can come with their arts and essentially do the same thing you do with science, but with your art. 
hey, your audience. Some of them are very unique in terms of who comes to these shows. There's the general audience, and then there's a specialized audience. Talk about well, um, if we're talking about the specialized audience who used to be able to experience the emoticare, which means, well, my specialized audience would be people who are deaf and hard of hearing. Um, in particular, deaf people who, you know, even though they don't. In the past, I was working at the Bob Rumball Center and we were doing, you know, a lot of research, which meant that we had some great feedback, but we never had a public space that we could make available to this audience. And, you know, our first show back in 2008 brought over, you know, 500 people to Clinton's Tavern because that was touted as the world's first concert made accessible for deaf and hard of hearing people. So it's been a long time coming, but I think now we have another space where, you know, we can start that up again, start that experiment again, you know, invite our deaf and hard of hearing audiences back so that they can, you know, give us some feedback and let us know if this is something that, you know, would be, would be cool if we were to continue developing it and make it uh, more accessible, you know, and in that respect, um, that's what we hope to take to other venues. You know, if, if the, you know, feedback that we get from the community about the deaf chairs is good, then uh, maybe the rest of the theaters will add them and then we can have accessibility in that respect, you know, as a ubiquitous feature of, you know, venues and movie cinemas, et cetera. How about now? You better explain. We have deaf and hard of hearing people. And how do they hear the shows? It's more feel the shows. It's a feeling. So we have a couple of experimental pillows. They're just little pillows, and they sit at the back of the chairs. And when you sit on them, you can feel the music that's coming off of the soundboard. So for someone who, you know, who is... Uh, experiencing, you know, difficulty hearing, it gives you a little bit of that experience of the instruments, of the vocals, and then in that way, you can see what's happening on the stage, and you can feel what's happening on your body, and then you can make that connection, you know, so that's how you can, you can't hear it, but you can feel it, and then it's that connection of the visual and the sound, and for some deaf audience members, they do have some hearing, so this just can enhance to some extent, the experience. Now, you do have a former association or a current association with MTU, formerly Ryerson. So talk about that. Yes, well, that's where I spent uh, the formative years. When it was Ryerson back in 2007, I was working at a fantastic lab. It was the Accessibility Lab in Ted Rogers School of Management. And... There, first of all, the work they do is phenomenal just for, you know, accessibility in technology in general. But that's where we developed, you know, myself and, and Deb Fells and Frank Russo, uh, this emoted chair, uh, which was supposed to be a way to make movies sound from music more accessible for the movies. So that's where our research has been for, for many years. It's, it's quite a complex research problem project. It's, it involves psychology, physiology, computer science, electronics, a little bit of electronics and physics. So uh, it's a quite an exciting project, but basically the outcome is a system that, that is, you know, hopefully a helpful way to feel music on your body. 
So has this system been uh, made exclusively, or have you got a patent on it or something like that? Well, yes, we have a patent, and up until now, it's been primarily a research project, but there might be, and okay, so just the full disclosure, when I was uh, in England before I came to the theater here, uh, I was commercializing this system. I was working with uh, Jaguar Land Rover and a spin-off electrical motorcycle company on various technologies to help with electric cars, because uh, for that particular work, an electric car effectively has no sound output, so you can't get any feedback, especially for a motorcycle. You can't feel the revs, et cetera. So we were working with them to develop a system that could help people uh, basically get more of the tactile feedback from their electrical vehicles. And that came to an abrupt end uh, when I had to move back to Toronto to take over running uh, the theater. So now we've gone back and the focus has turned back to the entertainment industry uh, because I guess I'm just a dedicated tech nerd and I just can't stop playing with my tactile systems. <laughs> so having said that, do you recruit any of the students of MTU to work with you at all or intern? We don't really do that right now. Like we do have uh, strong connections with the lab, but right now their focus is uh, on accessibility for closed captioning. They're doing uh, great work with real-time closed captioning for fast-paced sports. They're doing a lot of work right now, focusing on the the visual, uh, sort of the vision uh, domain, sort of improving, uh, you know, also accessibility for people uh, who have, you know, lost their sight. And uh, but right now, we're working with another company uh, in our building called Grackle Docs, and they're also accessible in the sense where they're converting using AI PDF documents into a readable format for software like Dragon Eyes and the other uh, text-to-speech um, software. And, and you know, it's funny how many documents are not accessible through the speech readers. Um, so this is a, an also a very important part of, you know, the accessibility that we try to, you know, support and bring into our, our theater. So next three years, what's Maria going to be doing? Oh, boy, I'd probably be working my my but uh, hope I can say that on the radio. But yeah, I'll be working just to get the theater to. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Now that the theater is in, you know, it's in good operating shape because when we took over, it was pretty much just like empty. It had nothing in it. It was ready for the uh, wrecking ball. So it's taken, you know, two years to get it to a stage where it was, you know, usable. Three years to uh, wait while COVID ended. And then it's been a year and a half now since we started working with the Orbit Room and we, we relaunched as a uh, professional music venue for special events. So let's say in the next three years, hopefully we can have more people coming to the theater and have our shows start to fill up and have people get to know us and, you know, what we're trying to do here as a public-facing organization. Well, what amazes me is that nobody's tried to copy what you're doing. Oh, I hope they do. I mean, all I hope is that people, you know, eventually want to copy what we're doing, which is one, treating people with respect. Two, we pay artists. We make sure they always get their fair share. And three, we make sure all of our, or as much as possible, our shows are accessible, at least in the form of, you know, whatever we have available to make it a little bit more enjoyable for, you know, a brighter, a sort of broader range of people. Oh, yeah, we're also very queer friendly here. We're aware of all the social issues, and it's a safe space for 
anybody who, you know, just wants to come and enjoy being human in a entertainment center. <laughs> so do you do any training at all? Absolutely. There's the Rainbow Circus Troupe and also the Hersinia uh, Circus Troupe. They come uh, basically between Monday and Thursday and hold classes, mostly for children, but also for adults, you know, in the aerial arts. So that would be, you know, aerial silks, hoops, trapeze, ropes, acrobatics. They do a lot of really interesting work there. I think the work that you're doing should be uh, creating social franchises in other communities where you can make a difference. I sure. Yeah, that's what we're doing it for. It's it's for the good of humanity and for like to hopefully lead by example and show people that, you know, there are you know, there are good ways that you can still manage to stay afloat in a business while, you know, treating all your people with great respect and, and care. And give back to the community. Oh yeah, we are where would we be without the community? It's that's all we're about here. Okay. So having said that I'm surprised that you're not teaching. I'm surprised that you haven't written a book yet. Well, I've written tons of papers, so my academic publications are pretty substantial. Uh, and uh, outside of my PhD publication, I don't have a book. But honestly, the book's coming. But right now, the main thing is to get this little project up and running and to, to, to let it flourish, you know, to build a, a good team and to build a support network and maybe even find some donors who can help us with the operations and, you know, allow it to go for the next hundred years. That's our plan, you know, just keep this little, little project going. And again, another hundred years for this theater in this part of town would be absolutely a dream. Talk about your team. It's not just Maria. No, definitely not. Well, my partner, Robert, who does everything that has to do with the building, you know, uh, helping with the repairs and installations and rigging. He's a very high, highly uh, competent engineer. And then I have my team of super awesome bar people. Who, most of them were uh, kids who started working here as cleaners and they lived on our street and live in the neighborhood. And now they're, you know, maturing into, you know, they're in university. And of course they need to make a little bit more money to support them. So now they're bartending. And I've got one of the best sound crews in Toronto and pretty much handpicked them out of the Harris Institute. They're young. They cut their teeth on, you know, some of the most complicated shows you could imagine here. And, uh, and of course, Bill King. Can't forget Bill King, artistic director, and Keith Holding, our production manager and supervisor of all things uh, video and, and technology. Um, Tim Noder, who is, you know, bringing in bands, he's the uh, proprietor and the founder of the Orbit Room. And then we have Jen Hazlitt, who's on our management of a bar team. And she came from, she was one of the founders of the Dakota Tavern. So we've got a, a really strong group of people. Uh, and not to get mention Jaden, who does, who she's the Rainbow uh, Circus head. So yeah, there's a, a lot of people here making this, this really come to life. called the Herringate Theater. And Herringate was a, a really fun place. And what was interesting about it, Maria, it was a theater and a dinner place. So you were downstairs, you ate dinner, and then you went upstairs to the theater. I think they got Great. 
Yeah, like I guess Second City was doing that and Hughes Room used to do that. You know, for us, we don't have a kitchen and we're really just, we were just a, a cinema, like originally, you know, in a vaudeville theater. But I can say in the neighborhood, within a couple of minutes of walk, we have like 20 of just phenomenal restaurants that I wouldn't even want to compete with them. So, you know, you could walk down the block, a couple of, you know, buildings and get yourself some fantastic curry, some great sushi, some native American Indian you know, buffalo tacos and bison burgers and, you know, plus not to mention the pizza and the pasta and the great little sort of bars around the neighborhood. So, yeah, again, in trying to really, you know, raise awareness for this part of town, we're, we're not really in a BIA here, but we are between several important neighborhoods like Leslieville, the beaches, Little India, Danforth and Riverdale. Basically, we're sort of sitting between them. And so that means, you know, when people come from afar, they can, on the way in, pass by any one of these fantastic food places and experience some, you know, great taste, something that, you know, it's not a, it's like downtown out here, but, you know, it's starting to really become, uh, it's developing beautifully, really. So also, how do you promote the theater? Well, right now, very, uh, we're very communal, like, you know, we'll put posters up. We uh, also are a, you know, a huge fan and collaborator with the CIUT radio. Uh, right now, we are working on uh, becoming a sponsor for the Bill King Show, which is uh, takes place. It's a great talk show, uh, Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. If you haven't listened to CIUT lately, uh, and you do listen to radio, it is, I think, one of the best radio stations around right now. It's independent, volunteer-run, and, and we try to get a lot of our information out there because, well... You know, they're over there uh, on College Street. We're on College Street or Girard, and we're all part of this 506 TTC line. So, you know, in some ways, uh, what we're trying to do is promote to people who, you know, even though High Park, people don't want to come all the way out here. The fact is you can just jump on the 506 and be here in, you know, 45 minutes or 20 minutes if there's no traffic. And uh, so far, that's about how we've been promoting. A lot of word of mouth, Facebook groups. You know, small fry, mom pop. <laughs> so having said that, what is the next uh, film show or shows that you're going to be putting on? Are you going to have a festival? or? Well, uh, now I've got to get the date right here, but it looks like this year we're going to be participating in the National Film Day, which happens in... I'll tell you when it is. I think it's in May. Anyway, we're going to be doing a uh, Don McKellar retrospective, and we're going to have him piping in through the, uh, the the Zoom channels, and he's going to do a Q&A after the show. And we are going to be showing, of course, a Don McKellar film. We're not going to say which one it is, because actually we might be doing a couple of them. Yeah, so it looks like a April 19th, sometime between the 17th and the 20th, we'll be doing... Uh, doing uh, the film, National Film Day. Now, that's going to be a pay-what-you-can event. If you can't pay anything, that's fine, but it's just going to be, you know, a way to become part of the community also in the film. Uh, in the film. Uh, Do you do anything at the same time as TIFF? No, I wouldn't. I, I, you know, I would have TIFF wanted to do something here, but to be honest, you know, it's, it's hard to drag people out in the East End, and TIFF, you know, really, I would love to go to TIFF, you know, so I, I'd rather not be working. 
But if we were to take part in some kind of TIFF event, we're always open to that. And look, right now we're, we're trying to collaborate and do something with the incredible distillery district. Um, so we're talking about some cross promotion and maybe we'll send some shows their way and they might send some smaller events our way. And, uh, you know, not to mention our little markets, like we do vegan markets and we do farmers markets, Christmas markets, uh, craft markets. So, you know, we're just trying to keep it busy here. Oops. Very diversified. Maria, but it's been a pleasure. And uh, you're going to grow and be very successful. No question. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time, and I love your questions. And I hope to talk to you really soon again. And you should come by sometime.